So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, uh, John in studio here by Anne and Lorraine. Uh, Shane is still with us on the other end of the Skype, and it's a pleasure to welcome back again, as we advise in part one, Father Luke McNamara, who is a Benedictine in Glenstall Abbey, and Father Luke is going to join us, is joining us again this morning to speak about Lent. Good morning to you, Father Luke. Good morning, John. Thanks a lot for joining us. Um, Glad to be with you again. Thank you. Lent is just around the corner. Uh, Shane might lead you into a, a, a little bit, uh, just a few little topics there that you might cover with mm. us, just for maybe for the next 15 minutes or so. So, Shane, where would you like to go? Yeah, I'm trying to think about that. Where would I like to go? Uh, as, we said at, as we said at the top of the program, um, next Wednesday, of course, is the beginning of, of, uh, of, the Lent, of the Linton season. And, of course, here on Sacred Space, going back to a tradition started by Father Michal Liston, we refer to it, of course, as the joyful season of Lent, uh, which, of course, it's an opportunity for um, that great term of metanoia and conversion and an opportunity, I suppose, to do kind of a, um, a, an MOT or uh, an NCT on our relationship, uh, which the Lenten season provides. And just before, I, just before I bring in Father Luke, John, during the week I was reading online uh, from uh, the I Benedictines, there are there are three sister, two sisters, two religious Benedictines uh, that blog online, and they, they had a great little piece, and they were saying they were saying, as we begin thinking about our preparations for Lent, may I suggest that we do not start with what we're going to give up, that puts the emphasis on us and often leads to confusion. No, I think we have to start with the marginality of the desert, the place where Christ struggled with the demons and where we must learn to alter our focus. Uh, let, our, let us pray for our eyes to be open to what needs to be changed in our lives and ask God's help to do what is necessary. Lent is God's gift to us. Let us use it as he intends. And I taught Father Luke it was a very interesting way to begin the discussion, of course, about Lent, because in Irish tradition, very much Lent is seen as quite a penitential and a dour kind of a season. Uh, would you agree? Well, traditionally it has been. The emphasis has been on fasting and abstinence um, rather than on conversion, as you say. Mm. But it's interesting that you're, you were mentioning the two sisters uh, who are Benedictines because monks and, and Benedictines uh, sisters would be regarded as specialists in, in Lent. All right, how so? Because um, the, the rule of St. Benedict uh, gives a lot of attention to Lent. And he asks that monks and nuns, that their lives always have a Lenten character. But he recognizes that we, we can't keep that up for, the, for all year round. But at least in, in the season of Lent, that we should make a special effort. So in a sense, the life of a monk is really uh, a life of continual conversion. It's not so much one of penance, but one of continual conversion, continual turning to the Lord. And that is the that is the focus of the rule of Benedict and particularly in Lent. But he gives a few little practical tips mm. which are very, very helpful. And one is that each monk in the monastery is to be given a book to read for Lent. And he is to start it and to go right through to the end. And note carefully any teachings that might be a support to him in his life, uh, in his life with others, in his life with God, and in his, in his relationship with himself. So that, that practical advice is followed still today. And it's, it's actually something very good. We can all pick up a book that we might think that might help us, 
that we would uh, follow through and use as a kind of a guide, a personal guide. Mm. So the other thing that he recommends is that we turn to the Bible and we read, uh, spend more time reading the, from the Bible and spend more time in prayer. But the goal of the monastic Lent is, is, and the goal of the three practices of almsgiving, prayer and fasting are really about getting relationships right, relationships with ourselves, relationships with others, relationships with the world, but particularly our relationship with God. And it's getting the right happy medium in all of those. Mm. But it's interesting, though, I, I read um, uh, I was reading a, an American uh, book there recently. Um, it's a very peculiar title, The Fat Jesus. But it's the there's a chapter in it about slim for him. And it talks about um, people dieting to during Lent, you know, and trying to get a, a very fit figure or whatever. But but in a sense, that's totally opposite to what Lent we say from the fasting should be given to 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 almsgiving should be should benefit others and there's that sense of relationality in everything that we do and likewise our prayer shouldn't be simply for ourselves but also for others and towards god in thanksgiving mm. so this there's this constant relationality which has been lost in in traditional irish practices a lot of the time where we think see see it as really a personal a very personal thing, um, where it's really a, a training in, 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 in within with the church as well going forward together in joyful anticipation of, of Easter and mm. preparing ourselves so that we are more open to receiving the gift of new life that we get at Easter. So it's a, it's a joyful progression and and it's one we do together. Um, yeah, and, and I suppose, and as you said, it, it's something that it, it's something that we do together. But that's something which maybe that has been, uh, I suppose, if you say, a small bit lost. But I suppose to, to go back, <clears throat> I suppose, to the beginning, if you like, yes. of of the season, and of course, we're talking about, of course, um, Ash Wednesday and the imposition of ashes. And one thing that has struck me over the last couple of years is actually the grace, if you like, participation that occurs. Uh, with the ashes and people wanting to get their ashes for Ash Wednesday. Um, now it's a, it's a it's a day of fast and abstinence, not actually a holy day of obligation. Uh, but it, it, you know, but and, and that the different things that have been done, where you have um, that I, I was up in I think it was Galway last year, or maybe Mayo, where you had the priest that was doing the drive-through ashes. And I'm talking to myself, well, what's the big deal about getting the ashes? Well, I think there's, again, this kind of connects with the root of Benedict in that mm. there's, there's a whole chapter seven on humility and the receiving the ashes reminds us of our connection with the, the humus and the earth from which we came. And we, we, we all know that we're not little gods on earth. We all know the limitations of our humanity and it's no harm for most of us to be reminded of that every now and again. Mm. And that people really, they, they sense the, the, the reality of, of, their, uh, of the actual right, that, it, that it's, there's something very true in it, that it connects them with who they are, but also where they're going. And the ashes that we use are from the burnt palm Sunday leaves. And I think that's something that we should keep in mind because... The ashes really are marked already with the with the, Jesus's death, passion, death, and resurrection, because they they link with the triduum at the other end, the Holy Week and triduum. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So in a sense, by getting the ashes, yes, we're marked uh, as dying to our mortal selves, but we're, we're marked with the sign of the cross. And so we're also marked for life eternal. So we, in a real sense, we're connecting with our human limitations, but we're also pointing forward to the gift, the divine gift of new life, life eternal that we receive in, in the, the mystery of Easter. You were talking, you mentioned there, of course, about, we, we, we already touched on, if you like, the, the fasting for, the fasting for, that's associated with the season of, of Lent. The, uh, also, the other t- two traditions associated very much with Lent, of course, are almsgiving and prayer. Now, it was interesting, uh, during the week or two weeks back, I was reading um, a book about some of the letters of the American writer Flannery O'Connor. And Flannery O'Connor acknowledged that many things that bring Catholics grace, like going to Mass, the requirement to go to Mass, fasting that we're, you know, we're done, there's sometimes we do them out of obligation and they can become, I suppose, um, habit. Um, but she, she very much was of the belief that, you know, in some ways, um, it's, it's actually an opportunity for grace. And that the church, by requiring us to do these types of things, is what way she put it? She put it as being mightily realistic about human nature, um, since obligation provided needed structure, and which provides in turn opportunities for grace. And I just thought it was an interesting take on something like that, because many people see us, you know, prayer, fasting, and absence during the Lenten season as a burden. Um, and rather than, as, as, as Flannery put it, as, as, as an opportunity for grace. Um, but in terms of the tradition behind the, those three hallmarks of Lent, I suppose, what, 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 would be, what would be the idea? Well, first of all, St. Benedict would say that these practices form us, mm. uh, form us to be more like Christ. And, and in a sense, um, we are going back into the desert with Christ, who, um, who fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, who prayed in the desert and then who afterwards will give uh, alms to all around him. But in a sense, it's really, they help to form us, conform us to Christ. And that is the value of the practices. And the more we become like Christ during Lent, the more ready we are to enter into his mystery of life, of, into the mystery of his death and resurrection at Easter. And that is kind of the purpose. And you're right, this obligation and that, it, it actually helps us to 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 be formed together into Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so we actually have um, forty days uh, of of Lent, and if everybody counted the forty days, there actually there's actually six uh, Sundays. So six sevens is forty. Six sevens is forty two minus the two days of the Triduum. But we, but even still, we have forty six altogether. If you go back to Ash Wednesday, and why don't we count? Uh, why, where do the six extra days come from? They come from the Sundays, and so every week during Lent, during the, the progression towards Easter, we're given an opportunity to anticipate the full Easter gift. But we're already celebrating every Sunday the resurrection, and so there's no fasting, prayer, or almsgiving on any of the Sundays through Lent. It, it's it's very much they're 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 also part of the preparation for for Easter. In we're having celebrations of the resurrection already, because no week can pass in a in a Christian's life without having a Sunday. 
And that's, that's something wonderful. But it might be worth uh, just mentioning why we have these practices at all. Mm. The, the reason why we have Lent, um, the beginnings of Lent, uh, when it, how it emerged was the most common time for people to be baptized was the Easter Vigil. And Lent was a period of preparation for the catechumens before they were to be baptized. And of course, the practices for the catechumens were prayer, fasting and almsgiving. And the adults that were being baptized were supported by the community in their journey towards becoming baptized. And the community would also pray and fast and give alms with them. And that's a wonderful thing to keep in mind, the, his, the history of, our, of those practices, that it was the, the other Christians helping the, those who were about to become Christians, supporting them by prayer, fasting and almsgiving alongside them. So it's, it, it, they really are a communal practice, not an individual practice. Mm. Um, and in terms of in terms of the Linton season, I suppose itself, um, you know, it, I, you've meant, you mentioned it kind of at the beginning there that in in many ways, when we receive the ashes, it's a reminder to us to look forward <clears throat> in joyful anticipation to Easter. And I suppose that that is that is the other side of it as well. It, it is an opportunity for us to prepare. For the great Paschal celebration, absolutely it is. And the, the but the more we become like Christ through the practice of, of Lent, the more we can enter with Him. We can we can die with Him and rise with Him. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. But when we, when we die with Christ, we also will rise with Christ. That's what Saint Paul says. And so we, the more we are like Him through the practices of Lent, the more that will happen. It, the, it's interesting that the connection between Lent and Easter for the first monks was so important. They used The first monks used to go out into the desert in Egypt and they wouldn't be aware of uh, when Lent would begin. Um, and when, when, so because they were out in the desert and so they always started because Easter was a fixed, it was a, a movable, uh, movable solemnity. So they used to always start Lent on the 17th of March, the Feast of St. Anthony, the abbot. Okay. So the monks had this prolonged uh, Lenten season. And it's interesting that when St. Benedict, who came after St. Anthony, wrote his rule, that the, the monks used uh, the baptismal practices for, for Lent during that time out in the desert. And so... St. Benedict adopted the, the baptismal practices of prayer, fasting and almsgiving for his monks from that. Okay. So the rule of Benedict has really come, been born out of the, 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 the first monk's practice of Lent, which itself was modelled on the practice of the catechumens preparing for baptism. So, it's, it's, so there's a very strong baptismal character to the rule of Benedict. And that's really beautiful because anybody could follow the rule of Benedict in a sense, um, that is a baptized Christian, because that's that's the fundamental criterion for following the rule of Benedict. And we have many lay people associated with the monastery, oblates and associates, who uh, follow the rule in their own homes and in their own lives in that way. Um, now, Father, Father Luke, just unfortunately, time is catching up with us. So, just I wanted one thing I did want to bring in as well as the a conversation. Uh, uh, but uh, just but before we do that, I suppose if people wanted to 
kind of what would you suggest to people that maybe they should do if there was one thing a person would do for Lent uh, this year? What would you suggest that they would do? Well, I, I suppose I'd be a little bit opportunistic and suggest that they could come if they're living in the locality um, or even if they're wherever they are in the world, that they could um, listen in to the talks at Glenstall Abbey. We will be using, we'll be looking at look, using the book of Exodus um, as our book for Lent this year. And we will, through, over, the, over, the, over six Sundays, we will go through the um, book of Exodus with um, the people, and it's a traditional book for Lent. But the talks will be streamed live on the webcam, and also recordings will be available on the website at www.glenstall.com. But if people would like to visit, the talks will occur um, on Sunday at 4.30 in the Monastery Library, just behind the Abbey Church, and they'll be followed by tea and coffee, and there will be uh, some evening prayer for those who would like to attend. And the first uh, Sunday of Lent, the 10th of March, it begins with the people remembered, and it talks about the beginning of, uh, of, of Moses, uh, found in the river Nile by Pharaoh's daughter. And that's a lovely precursor to the redemption of the people of Israel from Egypt, but also our redemption through baptism. So that's that's what I would suggest. If Best. <laughs> <laughs> well, excuse me, <coughs> that's allowed. Unfortunately, right, I'm afraid, Father Luke, that uh, brings us to the end of this part of the programme. John, are we going to go into break? We might just go for a break and just go for our second piece of music. Father Luke, you going to stay with us for the Gospel Reflection? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. So our second piece of music this morning is from Don Bowen, and this one is entitled Thank You, Lord. Says it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Amen. I come before you today, and there's just one thing that I want to say.
Your name. 